Hi, good morning and welcome. This is Sustainable Short Takes, a sub-series we do every week as a part of Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh and today I'm joined by Shirley. Unfortunately, Tova wasn't able to join us, but as women working in Japan and around the world, flexibility is one of our strengths. And uh, we hope that she'll be able to rejoin us again next week. No problem. It's wonderful to have the focus more on you this time, Shirley. <laughs> Thank you, JJ. And, and it's been super fun, like joining you in the past two, three times. And yeah, I look forward to it every week. And yeah, thanks for having me here. And hopefully we can have some good, fruitful discussions. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, when I mentioned flexibility, um, I just saw in the World Economic Forum page, um, they're talking about International Women's Day. Congratulations to everybody for International Women's Day. We're going to make it into International Women's Month, we were talking about, right, Shirley? Yeah, I think that would <laughs> be an here, amazing idea. And always. <laughs> but I, I really. I love this article uh, talking about for International Women's Day, one of the key mm. concepts um, to really improve gender equity and equality for all men and women and all genders, everyone included, um, is to have more flexibility for all. And that would help to raise up uh, marginalized groups in the workplace who feel like they have to ask for exceptions to the rule. And I've heard this argument in Japan by uh, policymakers who are trying to improve the situation between men and women and talking about if we make a better work-life balance policy for everyone, that will really help women, but it'll also help anyone who mm. is taking care of elderly parents, uh, has children to take care of, or any for any reason needs more of a flexible working situation. So I love this idea. Have you heard of this before? Um, yeah, I think I've just heard it in like talks here and there, but yeah, I think especially like just to give an introduction of what like the World Economic Forum is. So they are like an international organization for like public private cooperation, but it mainly like strives to demonstrate like entrepreneurship in different fields. And what's really good about that is that they are um, focused also on gender diversity and especially like sustainability. And they make it like really cool to watch these videos because sometimes when we talk about women's equity, for example, or even climate change, it's just, oh, it's so boring. Nobody wants to watch it. But yeah, especially World Economic Forum videos are really like top notch. And yeah, like, yeah, like you said about flexibility and the articles that have come up for that, I think just having that extra, um, like pitch in there for women would just make such a big difference in hiring more women, which would ultimately lead to like the growth of the company, you know, because it's going to increase in diversity and more thoughts and more ideas, like you said. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the World Economic Forum, of course, is kind of one of the arms of the United Nations. It's very connected to countries around the world. Um, it's, it's not like 
making rules that everybody has to follow, but it's taking lots of uh, themes and truth from around mm. the world and trying to give advice to everybody that mm. these are some basic key points that yeah, if you yeah. do follow, you will have success. And I, I think yeah. these kind of organizations are so important. Mm. And they also have good funding, right? So if they see a good project, they can also provide some funding, which is really important, right? Yeah, that, that's so true. Yeah, I, I echo all those words. <laughs> Now, uh, you are part, let's talk about Wiki. Okay. You are the vice president of the Japan <laughs> India Business Council for Wiki. What is Wiki? And uh, just tell us about it a little bit. Yeah. So I actually was um, in talks with the like the woman who's working in India as the president of Wiki like a year ago. And she reached out to me. She said that, yeah, we have this organization. We want to strengthen Um, entrepreneurship bonds as well as like have more opportunities for women to even like seek out STEM careers in Japan and I thought that that's that's something so close to my heart because I want to bring as many women who are interested in in STEM and yeah I work in Japan and I know um, at least a little bit about the culture here in Japan the corporate culture So I thought it would be amazing to be able to be on board this um, organization. So I worked um, as a volunteer, but like in on, on the board of Wiki. So Wiki is, so let me just explain what it is. So Wiki is uh, basically Women's Indian Chamber of Commerce and Industry. So it's it's basically a business chamber for women who want to make a global impact. So even though it says Indian Chamber in the name, it basically has around like 250,000 members, mostly all women, but they are present in 120 plus countries. So it's basically half of the countries in the world. So there are a lot of like bilateral uh, divisions like Japan, India, for example, UK, India, America, India, a lot of bilateral ties there. And directly related to the embassies and and yeah the main aim is like to help make uh, policies and even like government level changes that would like have more equity for women and to kind of just have more women on board you know on the cabinet system for example So that's that's basically the aim of Wiki. Yeah, it looks like there's so many great initiatives. Uh, we were talking before because this is uh, International Women's Day or International Women's Month or International Women's Year. <laughs> uh, we were talking about percentages. Now, I was saying in America and in Japan, women represent 51% of the population. But you were saying it's much lower in India. And I was really surprised by this. Can you tell me again? Yeah, I think it's it's one of the sad realities of like some countries. But yeah, as of like we just checked some, some time ago, the ratio is like there's 108 males per 100 females, which is... Really sad, actually. Some some states are worse than the others. 
Um, so yeah, there's like female feticide that's uh, ramp that was very rampant in the past. Like I think the government of India is doing a really great job, and like even people are you know getting more educated. So it's becoming less and less of a reality. But even when I was a kid, uh, this this was very rampant as you could see um, people like selecting, like gender selecting, if they knew that they were gonna have a girl child, they would select the route of aborting the baby. So this is really harsh reality, but this was something that was rampant in the past. And I can see the changes that's happening right now. And I really hope to see a more equal future and where like we don't have to worry about not even like seeing the world, for example. So, yeah. Yeah, I just uh, checked with Google Sensei mm -hmm. and uh, Google Sensei tells us that in India, it's 51% uh, 51.9% males and 48% females. Mm. Um, yeah, that's it's wild. But, you know, with mm. gender selection, I, I think there are other cultures around the world doing this as well. Uh, China had similar when it had the one child policy mm. and you would, you would have more families choosing uh, male oh. than female. Um, this, of course, has huge repercussions uh, on future sustainability of your country and the balance. Um, yeah, it's, I never, I had never realized that before. So mm -hmm. it's so wonderful that you have organizations like Wiki who are supporting women in business. And I was looking through the information. There's a lot of women working in sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, you've got a lot of like typical corporate work, like so much variation. Mm -hmm. um, how many Indian people are living in Japan? Do you know? <laughs> That's such a good question. <laughs> I, I, interviewed, I interviewed a, a woman who she's in Germany now, but she was researching uh, Indian subcultures in Japan. And that was a really interesting conversation. Um, oh. She was talking about, of course, India is such a big country. I I have visited India two times. Two you months, have. Three months each time. So six months wow. altogether. And I only saw less than half of it. Like <laughs> it's such a big country and so many diverse cultures mm -hmm. inside and like all the different types of food and languages. And, you know, the, it's a very culturally rich country mm -hmm. and very yeah. big, even geographically, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, so yeah. she was talking about even in Japan, you have a lot of subcultures, like Indian subculture in Japan, but you also mm -hmm. have subcultures of the subcultures, right? Yeah, very that's so true. I just checked Google Sensei as well. It's 1.34% of the population. It's actually not bad, around 35,000 people, I think. Maybe it's increased because that was like of December 2019. Now that it's 2022, probably increased, I would say. Well, as, as the tech sector uh, increases and a lot of Indian professionals have a very good reputation for being very tech savvy, like you. <laughs> 
um, Japan needs more people working in IoT, IT, AI, and tech in general, like you're doing, right? That's very true. Yeah, India has a really big <laughs> rate of producing engineers. We have a lot of people working in engineering and IT, and yeah, the population probably is one of the factors as well. That's so, great. That's such, it's so important skills, especially like you said, for STEM mm -hmm. and women, uh, training young girls to mm -hmm. think about a future in STEM is really yep. important. And it seems like India is doing a really good job. Uh, you are also working with Jackie Steele on the mm -hmm. Enjoy Network as one of the thought partners. Uh, yes. Talking about gender equality in the tech industry, tell us about that. Yes. So yeah, I mean it. It's been like it's been a pleasure working with Jackie, and I will be uh, working with her again for one of the few events as well in the next uh, month. So yeah, I mean I was working for her as one of the tech support people for helping her with the um, live stream that she's been doing. So if you haven't seen that, please go ahead to her <laughs> channel and you can watch that. And JJ was a part of uh, one of the talks recently. And you can also see that on the LinkedIn page. And yeah, I think oh, it was a really like fruitful discussion where we spoke about, um, yeah, the systemic changes that are needed to uh, bring more equity in the, yeah, STEM field, basically. And yeah, I hope we'll be able to have um, more and more like talk about this and people in press, for example, or people in government actually are able to watch, you know, this live stream as well as, you know, Jackie's live stream and be able to get some points on how to do it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, the the more the more we keep talking about it, uh, the more we are planting those seeds of ideas. And then uh, when people yeah. start to see the opportunity and then they'll see a way forward where they can make better choices. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was recently talking to my sister and she said, for about 10 years, I think you've been talking about single use joy. And mm. only recently did I understand what single use means, mm. you know, and, but it's so true, right? Like I, I'm working in sustainability all the time. Yeah. So I'm using these words like single use or right. circular or even sustainable. Yeah. And people are like, what, what exactly? But it's past the point where people feel comfortable to ask. I think I, I should know that. So maybe I won't ask, you know, but yeah. seriously, if you don't understand anything, please ask anytime. Mm -hmm. anytime. Yeah. So basically single use is mm -hmm. anything you're going to buy and use and then throw away quickly is the idea of single use, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to avoid single use. We're trying to use more reusable or something you can use for a long time because that has less damage on the environment. It's also better for people. Uh, yeah. In the end, there's that play between the three, right? People, yeah. planet, and profit. So mm -hmm. trying to find balance mm -hmm. between those three, that's always the key concept, right? 
But yeah. I, I need to keep saying it. Yeah. I need to keep explaining it every time, maybe, even though I feel like a broken record. Um, <laughs> because, you know, people just, they forget, or it's it's mm. not part of normal dialogue yet, right? Mm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, the only way is probably just to do our part and, yeah, hope that people will listen and will change, <laughs> you yeah. know? Absolutely. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about, so of course we're celebrating International Women's Day. Uh, it was March 8th this, this year, March 8th. And uh, so I was doing a lot of tweet uh, information on yesterday and the day before uh, to cross the international timelines for International Women's Day, trying to support and highlight the work of other women. And I wish I could have said a shout out to every woman that I know who I respect and who mentors me and, and inspires me and keeps me going. It's impossible in two days. It's impossible in a month. It's impossible all year, but I'm doing my best, you know? So I wrote an article and I highlighted also on my YouTube channel I highlighted in the article, I highlighted in the podcast, all of the talks that I've done with women in wow. Seek Sustainable Japan over the last two years. And there are 192 talks I've done with women over wow. the last two years. So I was really happy as I figured out this number, I was finishing the 357th interview. So I passed my goal of 51% because we are 51% of the population. So that was one of my goals. I'm um, right. gonna keep trying to keep that balance, try to keep things as diverse and inclusive as possible always. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but because it's impossible to highlight all 193 i will put the link below and please watch and be inspired by yeah. some of these amazing women yeah and I'm so, I, yeah go I'm ahead so proud of you joy like yeah you're one of the very few women here who are trying to talk to people and trying to make their voices heard like a lot of yeah, a lot of women have a lot of good ideas, but they don't know how to express it or how to like put it out in the world. Because, you know, just making a social media like message is one thing, but kind of be able to have a one on one conversation and go to the, you know, root of what they're thinking and also publish it to, you know, the a greater population is is amazing. And I applaud you for that. Thank you so much. And I, I think it's I think it's kind of a weak point of a lot of, of women in particular, maybe, is that uh, we feel a little bit like rivals sometimes. And but I think that is because we are marginalized in our communities. We are marginalized at work. Still, it's not a balanced situation, right? Mm. And quite often, marginalized people often feel competitive amongst each mm. other. That's just, it's just a natural human reaction. So 
I think we have to work harder to mm. overcome our natural impulse to be like, oh, I don't want to support her because that's kind of like something I want to do. Or, you know, like feeling right. that rivalry. We have to like consciously try to overcome it. Mm. Because I think it's a natural instinct to be like, hmm, nah, I don't, I don't want to support her, you know? Mm, yeah. And I see that a lot. So I'm, I'm even mm. in myself, I'm constantly trying to say, hey, good job. You know, that's something I'm trying to do too, but you're doing it well. Good job. <laughs> you know? yeah. And trying to lift up other people and mm. share and like and support what they're doing mm. um, takes conscious effort. Yep. That's but true. I, I think we often have, and this is not just women, but I think a lot of people, you might really enjoy uh, taking in someone's content. You might really mm. enjoy their book. You might really enjoy listening to their music. But mm. very few of us ever like, support, subscribe, share, comment, mm. or write them and say that you liked it. Right. And I think doing that extra step where you actually mm. reach out Mm. and do something that they will see as support mm. is really important. Yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, thanks for bringing up that point. I, yeah, that's kind of like a new revelation to me. I didn't know that this, this female rivalry thing is actually linked to like marginalized groups and it makes a lot of sense. Hmm, very interesting. <laughs> Well, it's it's something that I've been thinking about a lot, like over the years. Mm -hmm. And I, I visited um, California a couple of years ago, and it was during the time when a, a very crazy person um, had gotten into office. Mm -hmm. And I had an uh, immigrant uh, taxi driver, Uber driver, and I was talking to him, and he was just raving about this person that I know does not care for people who are different from him and especially immigrants, right? But this recent immigrant to America was raving about how wonderful he was. And it really, I asked loads of people after because it was really confusing to me how this of all people would support him, right? Mm -hmm. But then lots of people were telling me this is really common among marginalized groups mm. that they feel like there's something magically that makes them special that's why they were chosen and then that immediately the reaction is to put down other people mm. who are actually in their group because they're special so they want to distance themselves from other people mm. it's it's a really interesting <laughs> point of psychology isn't it yeah i think so well, and actually seeing it in action is like on, on another level, I think. <laughs> yeah, it blew my mind. Wow. But then it, it helped me to see that in other sectors where you have mm. uh, people like women in the workplace, a very marginalized group, uh, mm. in society, uh, women who are not given a voice, and then people of color, um, mm with disabilities you've got so many sectors where i think consciously you have to work hard to overcome that reaction if mm -hmm. you get a break to distance yourself like don't distance yourself be a mentor bring people up with you is yeah. the best example right that's that's very true i mean um 
yeah there's there's another thing that's kind of similar but uh, i see a lot of like posts on linkedin or on social media and people who are the ones who say that my content is the best and nobody else can be at par with me are usually the ones who don't make that much you know revenue out of it but the ones who like lift each other up like comment on each others you know um messages or even like something that's super helpful even though they are actually like competitors they could one of them could get a deal and the other couldn't but still they are trying to like support each other and lift each other up like that really just helps them you know go to the next level because then another opportunity would come where this person would be like oh why don't you take this because i'm already busy with this for example so it's it's great to see that you know unity in diversity yeah. of sorts i think so and it's it's also yeah just making that extra step to say something positive or to like or to comment or to share i think that's something we can do freely mm. and easily but yeah. it really it really helps that person who's putting out the content spending all that time to keep going right yeah. and and quite often when you're running a website you know this surely when you're running a website when you're doing social media quite often the kind of comments you get are negative Mm. you very rarely hear mm. back the positive comments. So yeah. if you do love something, please send that person a message. Yeah. Tell them how good you you appreciate that, you know, and they really appreciate it. Cuz mm -hmm. even the most famous people or even the most popular people, they hardly ever get such great positive feedback, right? Mm, yeah. If you yeah. could light up a person's life by just like 3 seconds of your time, why not, you know? <laughs> Okay, uh last 5 minutes so I have a book recommendation it's kind of a book documentary combo and this takes me I I think it's going to link to maybe your background too um it takes me to a book that I read when I was uh racing triathlon uh in the early 2000s when I came to Japan and this is quite an old book it was published in the 1980s um by a nutritionist who was coaching uh top athletes like uh Martina Navratilova the tennis star and I started um following his book because I had met my boyfriend who was a vegetarian and I had kind of always wanted to be a vegetarian and so I started uh following more of a vegetarian diet but I was worried about the typical things you worry about that you're always told you're not going to have enough protein right you're not going to have enough energy to really be a top athlete or to be healthy um and so reading this book was really insightful to me and I learned how to balance it's not about meat or no meat it's about protein and carbohydrates and vitamins and minerals like breaking it down to the science and i remember visiting a health food store at the time and i had heard that fish oil was really good and i asked oh do you have fish oil supplements and he said oh this is a vegetarian health food store so we don't have fish oil but we have the supplement that the fish eat to be healthy and that's from kombu and kelp and so that was like a real mind blow for me and this is kind of the concept of the book too right like if you eat from the source you eat the protein in vegetable form which is fed to the animal 
you're cutting out the middleman <laughs> or the middle animal and just eating from nature more directly. It's healthier for you. It gives you enough of the energy and health that you need. It also is much better for the planet. And we saw during coronavirus um, that a lot of people in the meat industry or the fishing industry are marginalized. We're talking about that word again. Um, because they are underpaid, underprotected. They were forced to work or lose their pay, even during dangerous conditions during coronavirus. And then uh, last year or a couple of years ago, there was a really popular uh, documentary that was made called The Game Changers. And this is kind of uh, continuing the conversation about uh, plant-based diet. And can top athletes keep their stamina and their strength with a plant-based diet. And, you know, there's a lot of people that'll say uh, this point is not true or whatever, but, you know, just try it. It's healthy for you to try it. It's not going to be a big loss if you try it for a while. And you might like it. And you might be like some of the athletes in this show who it like turned their world around. And they actually felt like they were better athletes. Um, there's some really famous athletes in here. You know, they've got actors like Jackie Chan. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about how his bodybuilding, he was told he had to eat a lot of meat and he feels bitter now being on a plant-based diet. So a lot of really famous people, James Cameron is the director. So it's really entertaining to watch as well. Now, we talked before we started, Shirley, uh, when I visited India for three months, and then we went to Nepal and other countries, came back for another three months. Like I said, I still didn't see the whole country. Um, but for us as vegetarians, it was like utopia <laughs> because there was so much choice. Every day we could have different kinds of beautiful foods and most of it was vegetarian is you're really spoiled for choice. Um, but I know that even in India, the diet is really changing now, right? Yeah, that's very true. Like for at least 40% of the population is totally plant-based. And for me growing up, it wasn't a big deal at all. Our, my diet as well was, I would say 80% plant-based, but it changed a lot after coming to Japan. But yeah, just to be able to, like in a country like India, like you are spoiled for choice. <laughs> you know, like you said, there's just so many restaurants, so many options, like Indian cuisine, like flourishes in vegetarian culture, I think. So like, if you are thinking of making the switch to vegetarian or even vegan, I think going, looking towards more Indian options or Indian cuisine could be a really good, you know, way to go because it's nutritious it's delicious <laughs> and i mean it depends on people's taste but yeah you have so many different options that you can choose from yeah even in japan indian dining is so popular in japan i love going to indian restaurants and i love finding a diverse indian food like i love to find a southern indian restaurant where you have the dosa and you have a little bit different cut style of curries and uh, we have some Indian restaurant owners who we, we have been working with with Hiroshima over the years. 
And we say, well, since we've changed to vegan now, it's difficult to eat at uh, Indian restaurants. And they say, oh, we have lots of vegan friends. So just tell us if you come in and we'll make you something special. So there's <laughs> that added layer of flexibility, which I love. Yeah, it's so easy to make like a really good, delicious Indian food just with plants. Plant-based diet, not plants. <laughs> It's awesome. I love it. Well, that is our time. Thank you so much, Shirley. Uh, it was great talking to you again. And we will have another talk next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you have so a much. Great day.